This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Divinely, when at the beginning of his ministry, as we referred to last week, as soon as he was baptized, John the Baptist pointed out the fact that water baptism was important, but there's going to come a day when the Holy Spirit was going to come and you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit by Jesus. Then Jesus referred to this in his ministry. Throughout his ministry, he would reference the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then right before he ascended into heaven, he again said, hey, get ready, disciples, go and pray and wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And the anticipation was part of the preparation. And that's really what we're doing here also now as a church body. Uh, as we look at what in some circles is an underexposed subject of the Holy Spirit, what I've tried to resist is the temptation to uh, solve every theological problem in one 30-minute teaching and to uh, deal with every single experience in one teaching and to look at this subject by subject, by perspective by perspective. Because I'll remind you, we are an interdenominational church. So we have lots of different theological streams and experiential streams that have called us together. So there's much patience and grace that we need to show one another as we look at theological issues and as we look at certain subjects. And some of us carry stigmas from our past experiences when it comes to different uh, different theological truths. So we're going to bear with each other patiently knowing that some of us are at different points in the journey. But at the end, at the subject that's at hand, as you see projected on the screen, is not a concept, it's a person. You know, it's not a denominational perspective or an opinion of man. It's a person. What we want is the, the residence of the Holy Spirit. That the person of the Holy Spirit would be here with us and among us and operating and walking in fellowship with us. Because Jesus said, I'm going to go and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. So today I want to look at the passages from the book of Acts. And we're going to look at a lot of scripture. And it is time change Sunday, so... I got up the same time I get up every Sunday morning, just happened to be an hour later uh, because of the time change. Uh, So maybe, um, you know, maybe uh, tactically this wasn't the Sunday to give you a lot of scripture. This might have been the Sunday to, uh, you know, pass out food and and have a unicycle come up and down the aisle and, you know, have confetti drop or something like that. So so we'll we'll, we'll work together. We'll work together. We're going to go through a lot of scriptures and the scripture is going to show you lots of lots of life. So let's go to Matthew chapter three. And and I have a Herculean task this morning is exposing you to a lot of scripture. And it simply is that it's an exposure. It's an education. It's a teaching. And at the end of the service, we're going to take corporate communion in step with what we learned last week, that the Holy Spirit always points us to Jesus. And, and we're going to take communion together. So the purpose of uh, today's teaching is exposure, education, revelation, knowledge, uh, to look together as a corporate body at some passages. And so we start in Matthew chapter 3. 
Um, when John the Baptist said this, he says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who's coming after me, which is Jesus, is mightier than I, whose sandal I am not worthy to carry. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, the term there, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that is a term that uh, you, you might that that is used seven times in the Bible. So seven times in the Bible, you can you can find the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I wanted to look at all seven, but the truth is uh, five of the seven are a quote of the same thing. And you'll see if you have your U version, I have the other references. In fact, this very statement was quoted four times in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It was quoted again in Acts chapter 11. And then the, the, the sixth and seventh time we're going to look at in the scriptures that unfold today. So I just want to, I want to uh, make that statement and make that clear. And at the end is, we're here to, we're here because we want more of the Holy Spirit. And, and sometimes I think a term that is better and, and, and used more frequently in the scripture is being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so that is a term that we are going to unfold. And, and many times those are used in their exchange very evenly. And at the end, it's all about having more of the Holy Spirit's activity and relationship in your life. So going now to the book of Acts, and, and we're going to do this a little backwards. We're going to look at a, several scriptures in Acts. I'm going to explain this. Uh, and then I'm going to make some observations from that. And I hope that in this that that you're going to see different times the Holy Spirit was given. Now, Acts chapter 1 says this. We start in verse 3. It gives the narrative. It says, He presented Himself, being Jesus, alive to them after His suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Let's just stay right there on that slide because I want to talk a little bit about baptism. Uh, we are going to have water baptism on, on uh, March 25th, the last Sunday of this month. Uh, we had a, a leak in our baptismal. We weren't able to have it a couple weeks ago, but the leak will be fixed and the waters will be warm. And I would love for you to be baptized in water. If you haven't been baptized in water, it's the first step of obedience before you follow Jesus. And then when you look at the word baptize and you see that word up there, baptize with water, it's the word baptizo, which means to be fully dipped in. So the idea is the word you fully are dipped. You are covered in water. And that is why we uh, do baptism by immersion, which means we put you all the way down and we bring you all the way up. Now, really, uh, baptism by sprinkling or by pouring over is, is, is in my opinion, is, uh, is valid in some circumstances. In fact, the reason it was introduced in the Middle Ages is because of the lack of, of, of clean water. And uh, the, in, in the wintertime, they weren't able to find warm water sources and so forth. But biblically, the more accurate way is to go all the way under and come all the way up. Now, why is that important? It's a couple, important for a couple of reasons, because uh, that's what we're going to do in a couple of weeks. So I want you to have some education on that. But it's also important to understand uh, this passage that, that we see on the screen or you see in your Bibles there. 
for John baptized you with water. He baptizo. He he uh, saturated you with water, but you will be saturated with the Holy Spirit. How many days from now? The Holy Spirit's going to come on you. We already know from last week, John 22 uh, verse 20, that, that Jesus had prayed that they receive the Holy Spirit. So moving on in the scripture, we learn more now going on to verse six it says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. That's a good scripture for all our, uh, newspaper eschatology people who, who, who are always, um, Anyway, I'm going to go off on the tangent, so we'll move on. So, but, but this is what you need to worry about, right? You don't need to worry necessarily about United Nations and all that stuff that, that, that has its place. But this is what you need to worry about. You will receive power. Dunamis is the Greek word. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. So I wanted to set up the fact that Jesus very much had prepared and created anticipation in the disciples. He said it's better uh, that we that I go to heaven because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. So this anticipation all led up to what we now call the day of Pentecost, which was established already. It's the, the festival of the harvest. And it's one of the festivals the Jewish people, uh, they would celebrate and they would gather in holy cities. And so it was during this time that many, many people were gathered in Jerusalem. So now we go to Acts chapter 2. And if you have your Bibles, we're just going to look at several different passages in Acts. So here we go. Lots of scripture. Um, so if reading makes you sleepy, uh-oh. Uh, so hopefully that won't be the case. It says, now on the day of Pentecost, suddenly there came from heaven... A sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. So sound came. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Spirit. Now I want you to notice this, and this isn't a big deal. They didn't say they were all baptized in the Spirit. They just said they were all filled with the Spirit. Again, the, the term baptism of the Holy Spirit is only used a handful of times in the Bible. And after the book of Acts, it's really only found one time. I just want to educate you on that, okay? And just so so you know, this is is a a chance. I'm giving you what I know, and we'll process it together. So they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues. Now, when the King James Version was written, and it was was a very contemporary version, uh, people would say they spoke in the French tongue or the English tongue or the Portuguese tongue. Now we use the word languages, and that's simply what that word means. They begin to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. So there were languages these believers didn't know. Xenolalia, which is a known language. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. Because of the diaspora, Jews lived all over the world. And moving forward, it says, and at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them. It was a miracle of hearing here them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? All right. Now, this is where I want to make a disclaimer Because I want you to look at this passage 
for some of you in a way you haven't looked at it before. And here's a disclaimer that I need to establish that very much our church and me as your pastor very much believe that the gift of speaking in tongues still exists today. And really, most most Christians around the world do. Uh, In fact, status, you know, there's, I think, six billion people in the world. Statisticians believe that of the six billion people, over 500 million, which is a significant amount, either speak in tongues or attend churches that believe in speaking in tongues. It's it's a very uh, it's a very worldwide um, belief that is readily available are, are readily believed. Now, the issue here, uh, why some of you might have been part of churches who say that gift doesn't exist anymore is because it just so happens that here in Middle Tennessee, we're in the cradle of some denominations who have historically not believed that gift still exists. But worldwide, most Christians believe this. And today, it's hard for me to find a pa- I've not yet found a pastor under the age of 65 who is a cessationist, which is this. A cessationist believes all the gifts of the Holy Spirit stopped existing when the last apostle died. I have not found a pastor under 65 who believes that. They're out there, but I'm just telling you, all, all, every pastor over every denomination that I've talked to about this subject believes all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, including the gift of tongues, still exist today. So that's my disclaimer, because now I don't want you to say, OK, now is pastor trying to set up. Uh, is he here trying to set up a, a theology that tongues don't exist? No, they do exist. And just to be frank, this I don't really think I have to tell you this, but I don't mind telling you this is that I do speak in tongues and, and I probably do on a daily basis. I haven't really kept count of uh, I don't really have a chart whether I do or not, but. Praying in tongues is, is part of my prayer life, and it's an important part of my life. Now, with all that disclaimer, because of that, typically when we read this passage, we read it based off our individual experience. And so we're saying, they spoke in tongues, and I spoke in tongues. But I want you to think about it in a broader experience. A broader experience of what was God trying to accomplish here. And here's what he was really trying to accomplish. Acts chapter 2 has a much bigger story than an individual speaking in tongues. I'm going to address that later on, probably on a Wednesday night in in a couple weeks, about individually speaking in tongues. But there's a much bigger story at hand here. Much bigger story. And here's the story. That those who followed Jesus up to that time were all Jewish people. And so the question was, is the message of Jesus just for the Jewish people. Now, for us, that's not a question for us today because most of us are Gentiles and we don't even think about about this. I mean, it's not even it's not even in our thought process. But contextually, this is what was happening then. And the question at hand was. Can Gentile people be Christians and Acts chapter two birth the international church that we benefit from today? Acts chapter 2 made a bold statement saying that this new, this new rabbi, Jesus, who is the Messiah, who is the Son of God, who is fully God, is not just for the Jews, but he is for all people. And Acts chapter 2 said that to the Jewish people. Why? Because now if we go back and with that context, we'll just read again. And I'm having to be very aware of my time this morning. I could literally 
uh, teach an hour on each of these subjects, but you would be bored to tears and, uh, you know, and you'd have less of this great music we get to hear. Let's go to verse six of Acts chapter two. And this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each of them was hearing them speak in his own language. God was speaking to the Jews here and he was telling the Jews that this message is not just for Judaism. It is a message for all people. And and going on, he says this, and, and they were amazed and astonished. And they said, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? And they were not just Galileans. They were, by and large, uneducated Galileans. So, so th- this was not a... This was not a, a people who spoke multiple languages. This is from the Lord. They, they were the spirit was on them and, and they were speaking and declaring. They were saying, God, you're awesome. You're great. You're incredible. You're magnificent. But out of their mouth was a language they didn't know. And that was one of, that was a sign. The Holy Spirit was moving upon all flesh. Later on in that passage, uh, Peter says that he said, this is what Joel prophesied this what was going to happen. And, and so look at this at the broader perspective. Now, because of that, as we're continuing this, now let's go to Acts chapter 8. Because that was for the Jewish people. The Jewish people now realize, okay, this faith is beyond us. But the Jewish, had, the Jewish people had some next-door neighbors. They had some next-door neighbors known as the Samaritans. The Samaritans were mixed-race people. The Jews despised the Samaritans. Uh, in fact, uh, the, Jew, the Samaritans worshipped uh, really not, not the true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They uh, had mixed the religion with another religion. The Samaritans were uh, in some ways despised by the Jews because they were so close but yet so far. And now something happened in amazing in Acts chapter 8. And I, for my purposes, what helps me understand this is I'm looking beyond just my individual experience. And looking at what was God doing here is this is the Samaritan Pentecost. Jesus was baptizing. Jesus was revealing himself. Jesus was sending his Holy Spirit upon the Samaritans. And it says this, Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So here we see that the Samaritans received the Holy Spirit. They they received the fullness of the Spirit. They were very much like the apostles. Some they believed in Jesus. They'd been baptized. But just like Acts chapter 2, they had not received the promise of the Spirit. Now, I'm going to say this now to show you where we're going. That does not mean that you can be a Christian today and not receive the Holy Spirit. This was a one-time occurrence for them. I want to be very clear about this, and and this will be the point. If you are a Christian that put your faith in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. You do. This is not a pattern. And that's, that's the thing about Acts. Doctrine comes from Acts. But Acts is not like Romans. Acts is a historical account. We can derive doctrine from it, but Acts was given to tell a story. And it told the story, and it told the story of the early church. And because of that, much of our doctrine comes from it. But when Luke wrote the book of Acts, he wasn't saying, I'm going to tell you about the Samaritans. And now let me tell you how this applies to you. He was just telling the story. So we have here that the Jews received the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. The Samaritans received the Holy Spirit 
uh, in Acts chapter 8. We're going to, uh, Acts chapter 9 talks about Paul receiving the Holy Spirit. We're not going to look there for the sake of time, but Paul, Saul received the Holy Spirit. And that is the one time we have an individual experience. Now let's go to Acts chapter 10. For those of you who are bored to tears, just hang with me because we'll get real pragmatic by the end of this teaching. Um, Acts chapter 10. Now, verse 44. While Peter was still saying all these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised. Now, who are the circumcised? Those are the Jewish people. The believers among the Jewish people who had come to Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Now, and and how did they know this? For they were hearing them speak in tongues and extolling God. Now, Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Referring back to Acts chapter 2. Now, this is what was happening here. Again, the issue we have in Acts chapter 2, we have the Jewish, the Pentecost, the day of Pentecost where the Jewish received the Holy Spirit. And it was very much international. Now, then we go to Acts chapter 8. The Samaritans received the Holy Spirit. And it showed that Jesus was for all people. The Holy Spirit was for all people. Now, this is a wider, broader, this is to the Gentiles. The question at hand here is, is this message of Jesus only for, is it only for the Jewish people? Again, this is reinforced reinforce uh, clearly uh, the answer. No, it's for all people because they went down and, and, and let's go to the previous slide. The believers from among the circumcised came with Peter. They were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. That's what Joel chapter two predicted that Jesus said when, excuse me, Joel prophesied that when the Holy Spirit comes, it's going to be poured out on all flesh, not just for the religious elite, not just for those who have had a bloodline inheritance, not just for those who are for, uh, from a certain tribe or a certain country or certain people, that the gift of the Holy Spirit's for all people It's for all people. And we see this very clearly. There's a strong connection between this gift and tongues going on to the next slide as we're in this for they were hearing them speak in tongues. And extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people just as we receive the Holy Spirit, just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to remain for some days. I like to call this the Gentile Pentecost. Gentile believers were confirmed that the Holy Spirit was for them. Here's the last passage we're going to look for on this first service of a time change All this scripture. Hello. Are you with me? Say, oh, yeah, Yeah. this lets me know you're awake. All right. All right. Acts chapter 19. We're going to see the last passage where it's an historical account of the Holy Spirit being given in the book of Acts. And this was at Ephesus, which is modern day Turkey, which I actually went there last year. Amazing city. And in Ephesus, um, we see this story unfolding. And in verse 19 of Acts chapter 19. Excuse me, uh, Acts chapter 19. Excuse me, verse 1. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed to the inland country and came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Let's stay right there for a second. So this is very clear. Now, John, the Baptist, baptized people, preparing them for Jesus. 
And so this was a distinctly different baptism than the baptism of people who knew the revealed son of God and who he was. So these people evidently, it seems clear to me from my understanding that they had been baptized by John the Baptist. But for whatever reason, uh, they had maybe because geographically they were now in Ephesus. Maybe they had heard it from somebody else. They did not even know there was a Holy Spirit. They, they did not hear the teachings of Jesus where Jesus said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. They said, we don't even know. We've never even heard about the Holy Spirit. So moving on to the next slide and moving in the scripture. And Paul said, John's baptized, baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. And name of the Lord Jesus. So they went and they, and they went down to some water and they were baptized with water. And then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. So we see a very clear pattern here that of the four accounts in Acts where people receive the Holy Spirit, three of the four accounts, uh, they spoke in tongues. And God was doing something clearly. He was there again showing them that the Holy Spirit leads to Jesus. The Holy Spirit leads to Jesus. You have John's baptism. Now, are you ready for the Holy Spirit? Well, we've not even heard of it. Well, first thing, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus and then to receive the fullness of the Spirit. Now, here's where I, I want to give you four words, three or four words today that will help us organize all of these scriptures I told you at the beginning, I had an incredible task this morning that I wasn't going to be able to accomplish, which is to um, to unfold all of these scriptures and all the nuances of them. I want to either expose these scriptures to you for the first time or I want to refresh these scriptures for you. Uh, it would be great to take the, the, the notes and to write these passages down. But, but the, the part that's just amazing to me, there's a lot of teaching on the Holy Spirit right now that don't even... A lot of these teachings don't even look at the book of Acts, which is just really amazing to me. Uh, I read a whole a whole book, the most popular book about the Holy Spirit today does not even address a lot of these Acts passages, which is just mind boggling to me. So I, I wanted us to look at that. I wanted to give you my interpretation of it. Now, at the end of the day, this is what matters. This is what matters. All that matters is this is him or him. That's all that matters. Yeah, I, I can talk all day of what was going on in, in Ephesus and Acts 19, what was going on in Samaria and Acts chapter 8. And, and if you want to go there and, and uh, take me to lunch or something, we, we can talk all day about it and, and talk about, I love that, why this denomination believes this and this, that, and the other. At the end of the day, what I care about pastorally is that the Holy Spirit is welcome and at home and active and moving and with us. And so... The first thing I want you to know is this, is the word receive. I want you to, I want you to identify the word receive. And we receive the Holy Spirit at salvation. I want you to know this, is that you can't have Jesus and not have the Holy Spirit. Because the, the, the three are one. So you receive the Holy Spirit at salvation. You receive him. If you believe in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. You have him. He's active in your life. Uh, I mentioned last week there's over 25 names for the Holy Spirit. So when we say, well, I ask Jesus into my heart, that's a great way to identify things to the to children, to help them understand uh, salvation in simplistic terms. Uh, the Holy Spirit resides in those children when they do that. They ask Jesus in your heart. You don't get Jesus and don't get the Holy Spirit. You get all of them. And there is 
a plethora of scriptures that establishes fact all through Paul's teachings. He talks about the Holy Spirit is a deposit within us, guaranteeing our salvation. Uh, there's all, all types of scriptures that address that issue directly. And because of time, we don't have an uh, issue to deal with that. But one that's very powerful is in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13. This is the seventh time, the seventh time the phrase baptism of the Holy Spirit is used. Our English translators uh, kind of translate it a little differently. But in the Greek, it's the exact same term. It says this, for in one spirit, we were baptized into one body. In other words, we were baptized in the Holy Spirit into one body. And so th- this is a very strong scripture that uh, I would bore you to tears if I went through all the. Uh, the contextual aspects of it, but we were baptized. And so we, we've all received the Holy Spirit. We received him. Now, beyond that, though, there is the, I want you to write this word down now, experiences. Experiences. And it's this, that we have many experiences with the Holy Spirit after salvation. Many times when we encounter the Holy Spirit after salvation. And I, I want to tell you, I have lots of stories to tell you about experiences that I have. We, we have these experiences that occur. It's not like we have salvation and that's all of the Holy Spirit we ever experience or all the Holy Spirit that we ever get. Because there are other times that God wants to touch us in a divine way and wants to send the power of his Holy Spirit upon us. Call it a feeling. That's what I call it. Call it a baptism. That's what many people call it. But tangible times beyond salvation. Now, I'm really getting away from, I think, an unhealthy way to look at this is to have this two tiers of Christianity where you have Christians... And then people had the second experience with the Holy Spirit. That's the way I grew up and that had value to me. But I think that could be divisive. See, because I put the word experiences because we have many, many experiences with the Holy Spirit available to those of us who are sensitive to him. When I was a young man, uh, I was at a a camp. I, I was real young, actually. I was in elementary school. And I had done the activities for the night and someone, I was actually asleep and one of the camp counselors came in and turned on the lights and, you know, it's those nasty fluorescent lights that you had in school that's just like, wow, I mean, it lights up everything. And I remember being startled by that. And he just said, guys, there's a prayer time going on and if you want to come with me, you can come. I don't know why I did it, but I decided to come. So I got up and I got dressed and. And this is a very vivid memory for me. Uh, as I begin to walk from the cabin down a uh, gravel road, really dark night, I begin to hear something. And in a football field, there were a group of young men who were praying with an intensity I'd never seen before. I mean, you know, there, there are prayers and then there are prayers. These were... Uh, guys that I grew up with 
that I knew really well, they were rascals. I mean, they were, they were the same type of kids that are running around this church, you know, a couple of them belong to me, who were just, just sneaky, mischievous, uh, um, not necessarily interested in worship, you know. Uh, our children's workers would have to work with us and, you know, they, they weren't engaged. They were just your typical boys. Our preteens is what they were. And I'm telling you, these guys were praying in a way I had never seen in my life. And it, and it, it was an Acts chapter 2 experience for me. I was bewildered. I'm like, how can those guys be having an experience like this? And, and now I'm quite certain at the time I wasn't listening for this, but I'm quite certain um, many of them are speaking in tongues. That same connection that you see in Acts they were having that same experience. So I went down to another cabin and in that cabin, uh, one of the counselors prayed with me and I felt the power of the Holy Spirit come on my life uh, in a way that as I recount the story, it's a powerful memory. And what happened to me, is happening to me right now in this sense that that particular night, I didn't speak in tongues because, you know, tongues is not the issue here. He is the issue. The Holy Spirit's the issue. But I wept before the Lord. And it broke. Even, even as, a, as, a, as a young man, I had a, had a lot of pride issues. Um, and I had a very stoic personality, uh, very similar to one of, the, one of my children that I have now. I won't say his name, but some of you will understand this by me saying that. Very, very reserved, very stoic, very to myself. And the Holy Spirit began to break some things in my life. And, and I wept before the Lord. And from, from that day forward, something that I don't like, because I don't even like it now, uh, that when the Spirit begins to move on me in just my life, it often manifests in tears. And it starts to happen, and I get irritated. I'm like, God, I don't want to cry. (laughs) I don't want to cry in this microphone. And then the Spirit says, you just submit to me, and and that's been a pattern in my life. So that was a tremendous experience for me. But I want to tell you something. It wasn't the last experience. Because the fullness of the Spirit has happened over and over and over again. And guess what? I want the fullness of the Spirit to happen this week. And I want it to happen today. And not just in this church service, which would be a great thing. But there are times when I'm having lunch or coffee with somebody. And we're at a local restaurant. Or we're at, or, or we're at Starbucks or whatever. And all of a sudden, the Spirit comes down. And the Spirit's right there in that conversation. He's there. He's there. He's there. He is moving. He is baptizing me. He is filling me. And I'm, I prophesy. I might share a gift. There are times when I'm in the hospital rooms. This happens, this happens frequently. And I'm going about, you know, doing my job to visit people in the the hospital and get lost in the parking lot and lost in all the all Baptist Hospital with all their 
connecting points and all. I've been going there for 16 years and I still get lost at Baptist Hospital. And, um, and there's frustration and Beth's texting me and saying, on the way home, can you pick up milk? And um, I'm thinking about my schedule and all that. And I go and I see the person and, and I'm like, okay, well, well let, let, let's pray for you. Right there. The Spirit's power comes down right there. We are filled with His Spirit. There's a, an experience of His Spirit. The Spirit's right there. So, my initial, my initial experience as a child, memorable, important, grateful. But I'm not living off that experience. I want to experience right now. Why? Because it's Him It's him. He dwells among us. He points us to Jesus. He empowers us for service. He does his work. That's my story. It's not my only story. So the word that I'm appreciating more and more in my life is the word filled. The word filled. And when we're filled with his spirit, we experience his power. Let's go back to Acts 1, chapter 1, verse 8. And to remind of why Jesus wanted us, it's not the only reason, but in Acts 1-8, it says this, and uh, let's go back one slide if you don't mind. It says in in verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, when he's epi, when he's upon you. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Next week, next Sunday, I'm going to talk to you out of the, out of Ephesians chapter, chapter five, I believe, or chapter four about being filled with the Spirit. And there's many things that happen when we're filled with the Spirit. There's several things that happen because the Holy Spirit's multidimensional and He doesn't just move in one way. But one of the things that happens when we're filled with the Holy Spirit is we're filled with His power. We're filled with His power. We're courageous where we weren't courageous. We're overcoming sin when we have addictions and habits that we've never been able to break. We're seeing healing manifest in our kids where before it was just kind of an obligatory prayer. Like, okay, yeah, bless them, Lord. No, we, we, we're in this power saying, heal them right now, Jesus. Heal, heal my child. Heal my wife. Let your power come. That's why the Holy Spirit comes upon us. We, we are, when he comes, it makes us powerful Christians. Why? Because we are, we are so limited in our own power. We're limited by our own sin. We're limited by our own personality. I know my personality limits me a bunch. We're limited by our own reason. We're limited by our ability to, uh, to, to um, remember scriptures and remember phrases and educate ourselves. We are limited. But when the Spirit comes upon us, there is no limit because it's not us anyway. It's Him working in us. It's Him Filling us with His Spirit. It's Him empowering us by His Spirit. And so God can take a regular vessel. And James chapter 5 tells us that Elijah was a man just like us. But when he prayed, heaven shut up the weather. And, and the storms obeyed him. But he was a man just like you or me. He sinned. And he had personality deficiencies. And I have a feeling that Elijah missed his quiet time on some busy mornings. But when the Spirit came on him as a prophet of God, amazing things happened. Now the Spirit comes on everybody who's willing, everyone who's open, everyone who is ready. Here's, here's the last word that I want, you to, I want you to acknowledge is the word seek. The word seek. This is the fourth word. Let's put down there the word seek. Or receive. Uh, sorry, that was, 
maybe I, I, I think I told the wrong word, and it's this, is that we should all seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit on a continual basis. We should. Every single one of us. I mean, the, the, the Holy Spirit is not just for the prayer group that meets before church. It's not just for the experienced Christians. Holy Spirit is not just for the preachers who went to Bible school. The Holy Spirit is not just for the educated. The Holy Spirit is not just for the outgoing. The Holy Spirit is not just for those who have gregarious personalities. No, the Holy Spirit is for every one of us. And every one of us should seek the Holy Spirit. To know Him better. To seek His power. To realize that we have been given the Holy Spirit as salvation and now there's before us experiences that we can have with Him where we're filled with His power, where we're operating in His gifts, where we're, uh, where we're seeking His face and He's moving through us, where signs and wonders and healings and prophetic words can come through us. Why? Because it's the Spirit. It's not us. How does that happen? Let, let me just tell you how it happens. It's not real complicated. It, it happens through fellowship with the Spirit. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. 